Welcome to the Dream Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. I got a, a new Bible for Christmas because my other one was falling apart, and now I can't find anything. So, um, Okay. Ephesians 2. I will be a little vulnerable with you guys, and then we're just going to uh, go in. So I'm, let, me, let me just read some stuff I've been writing, <clears throat> and, uh, and then we'll jump into Ephesians 2. Y'all ready? You good? Awake? Man, I see, I see y'all chewing on something. I'm so hungry. So, <laughs> um, All right. Here we go. Over the break, uh, two-week break, the past two weeks, uh, Yahweh dealt with me on the issue of, and this is going to sound so familiar, this is just where we've been, this is probably where we're going to be for a long time, of my personal trust. I thought I trusted him completely. I was convinced. But he began to show me the places that I've actually withheld for fear of two things. It's just me being vulnerable. There's two things that I have feared and learned to shove down that he allowed to rise up in me. And it was fear of people leaving the church and fear of us not having enough by way of giving. Those, those two things he revealed to me, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you, that I, I had shoved down and called it taking care of them when I actually hadn't allowed him to stare them in the face and take care of them. And it was fear of people leaving and fear of this not working out, basically, of us just having to close the doors. Those two things. I, I don't deal with anxiety. And when we first went into the break, we were off. And you know when you go into like a rest seat, maybe you're like, I don't know, when, you, when you're grinding out and you're working and you're doing your thing, uh, I don't really have a lot of time to worry about anything. But when you have to rest, your mind just starts going crazy. It, actually, it kind of reveals a lot of things that maybe a lot of stuff that I used to call trust was actually trust in my own works. Because when I was working, I had no problem trusting. But when I rest, all of a sudden, now I'm having issues trusting everything. Okay? Maybe I'm the only one. That's okay. So I go into it and for a week have this crazy, out-of-nowhere anxiety. Of, literally, if you set a, a tape... A tape, man, that's what I was a kid. A, a MP3, whatever. Uh, and set record in my brain, you would hear things like this. I shouldn't be doing this. This will never work out. Nobody wants this. If we took this to another city, it would work out, but it's not going to work out here. People in Columbia are dry and don't want the Lord. Like, over and over and over and over and over. What about that person that left? What about that person that hasn't, hasn't been here in a while? What did I say to that person? Did they get offended at me? Did I wear something they didn't like? And it, sound, it sounds funny, but that, that for a week, I had a hard time sleeping, and it, I, I don't ever, ever deal with that, ever. And even the little minute moments that I do, it's a quick just, all right, Lord, I'm going to submit this to you and just go about my day. But when you have to sit and rest, be still and know that I am God is a key command to Christians. Because when you are still, you begin to understand who God is in your life and who he's not in your life. So the first week, 
was me going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The second week was me saying, all right, I'm not doing this. I'm going to submit all this to you. And he began revealing to me that if 2020 was going to be all that he said it's going to be, it would require me to take those last couple of centimeters of old wineskin and let him throw them in a place where they could be baptized in an anointing of trust to then be identified as new. Okay? My greatest fear... So it was a couple of weeks ago, was this not making it? Because the people of this region not wanting anything to do with the living God. Had nothing to do with it. We, we, our giving is up 25, I think, 25% year over year. Giving's great. Church's doing great. This room is full today. Like, like everything, everything's going great. This is completely and totally crazy for me to think this, and yet this is what I was dealing with. This is just me being vulnerable because it's going to require that for us to go into what we're going into today, okay? What almost all people in this region and really in our country have experienced is a religion that approaches a higher power that we call Christianity because we don't really have the guts to call it what it is, narcissism. We primarily worship ourselves, not God. We make Yahweh fit into our box and our convenience and tell him to move how we believe he should move. Let me give you a really, really southern, you know, not technical at all definition of what it means to have a God. Whoever is calling the shots is God. In your life, Whoever is calling the shots is God. Christianity, to be clear, biblically, is not God being found on our priority list. It's God being the only priority. I'm, this, is just, this is just straight milk, okay? This isn't even me. This is milk, okay? Chris, what is Christianity. It's him being the only thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. Don't worry about anything. That's Matthew, don't worry about anything. For the Father knows what you need, even before you ever ask. Seek first the kingdom of God. I've taught this before, but in the Hebrew, when you would say, when Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God, it wasn't a priority list of put God first. It was seen as a circle and the outer ring of that circle was God. And everything else in your life was found within God. So when he says, seek first, that's what he's saying. He's really saying, seek only the kingdom of God, and through that, everything else will be given to you. Jesus even says that, which of you being, which of you being human, flesh, would give your kids gifts that weren't good? Yet, the Heavenly Father will give you the Holy Spirit when you ask. What, what he's teaching us is that we as parents know, as, as my daughter Veda, I know to raise her up in a way that is honoring, in a, in a good way. I know how to be a good parent. Me being a flesh, okay, being a human being, 
how can I give myself qualities as a father that I don't give him as a father who is perfect? When it, seek first the kingdom of God is Jesus revealing to us what it means to actually be what we call Christians. Jesus never used that word. That was a word given to the Christians in Antioch later. But for us, being Christ followers was one thing, which was seek first only the kingdom of God, and through that, see everything else. And what we do is we take God and we say, here's my life. You can fit in that corner right there, but don't move out of that corner. So if I got time to touch that corner, I'll touch it. If not, it's going to have to wait. I saw a study recently. Um, hey, what's up? Welcome. Uh, I like your Adidas hat. Um, I saw a study recently of, uh, at, this is so funny when people do this, uh, what people look for when they're looking for a church. Uh, my Facebook ads at, at pop up. So I was like, well, this would be interesting. And uh, so the top of the list was um, hospitality, basically, like how welcome they feel, okay? And then below that was like kids ministry or kids programs, youth programs, the preaching style, the worship style, the style of music. I got to the end of that list, and you know what was not on that list? The, the presence of God. I'm not, I'm not talking it was on the bottom. I'm talking was not even an option. This is where we come. You understand this? Let me be clear. That is not a biblical definition of Christianity. That's a religion, but you cannot legally call it Christianity. Because it serves us. This is what I fear. All y'all are planning on where you're going to go next week, right? Uh, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. <clears throat> so, so if Yahweh, here's a quick quiz. This is what I had to ask myself. If God decides to move in your life at a time when it's inconvenient, do we reject the move or do we change our schedule to host the move? Just, just a quick, here's just a quick quiz on where God is in your life. If he decides to move on a time of the, at a time of the day that's totally inconvenient, do we say, that's going to have to wait because I got this to do and this to do and this to do? Or do we say, hey, all this stuff I got to do, you're going to have to wait? Josh, and, and, uh, Josh, you could say that. You're a pastor. Uh, yeah, I am a pastor. I have a daughter. I know. Okay. But I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you the Bible. If we're going to move into a year where he's standing with two open hands, we're going to have to submit to a new wineskin. I've been talking about this for months. Some of y'all still don't know what a new wineskin thing is. And I've been talking, it's trust, and it's devotion, and it's the secret place. But really, if you want to take it to the root, it's being a Christian. So I'm going to have, a, I'm gonna have Paul, come up here, come up here. Do, do you know, let me, I'm going to read Ephesians 2. Let me just read this verse real quick. Let me just read this verse real quick, okay? Uh, Ephesians 2, I think it's verse 10. Yeah, uh, or no, excuse me, it's verse 7. Throughout the coming ages will be the visible display. I'm going to go back through this because there's a lot in here. 
uh, verse 8, for it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we could ever do could earn this salvation. Remember that word. For it was the gift of God through Christ Jesus. Okay? It is by grace we have been saved. Most of your Bibles say that. It's by grace we have been saved. When you hear the word saved, what do you think? Repeated a prayer, go to church, read the Bible app, verse of the day, or, or whatever. You know what, right? Listen to worship music in your car, maybe. The Greek word for salvation is sozo. Paul brought it up in a, in a guys group we had a couple weeks ago. Explain what that means. So there's saved and salvation. So, sozo is saved. Salteria is salvation. And I would be the last person to know Greek and Hebrew, okay? It was very simple. But the two words have the same meaning. It means saved, healed, delivered, protected from, kept safe and sound, and preserved. So the word saved, saved, healed, delivered, protected from, kept safe and sound, and preserved. How many of those definitions have to do with heaven? Just just one. Saved. It's saved. Healed, delivered, protected from, kept safe and sound, and preserved. So how many... how many, what, what does that have to do with heaven? I'm trying to get you guys to respond, see if you're, I see what you're dealing with. It's just. <laughs> yeah, str- str- literally straight, straight out of the lexicon, this is what it says, exactly what it says. Say, here's what sozo means. It means divinely saved from danger, sin, death, you could say. Healed physically and spiritually, straight out of the lexicon, to be preserved by grace, to be rescued forth from forever, forever, and to be made whole. To be saved, okay? Repeating a prayer might get you in the door. But to be saved means you're saved from hell, yes. You're healed physically and spiritually, salah. You're preserved by grace. You can never lose it. And you're rescued forever and you're made whole. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> what? Because, the, do I? Man, there's so many question marks in my notes today. We get in this cycle of trying to host people's presence rather than hosting his presence and allowing whoever wants to be sozoed and entered into that kingdom realm can come be with us. But our obsession as a church should be him and him alone. I love you enough to make my obsession him, not what kind of programs we can do. And that does not grow a church. Or does it? I heard somebody say this do you want attendees, or excuse me, do you want attendance, big attendance, or do you want big attendees? That, that's awesome. I wish I had come up with something like that, but I didn't. Do you want big attendance or big attendees? As for me and my house, I choose for you to be big people in the kingdom rather than for you to be shallow people in the kingdom, tossed to and fro by the winds, depending on the season, but us to never have enough chairs in this room. I choose that every day because I have a daughter and you have sons and 
you have kids, and Tammy's not here today, but she has that are a part of this, that are going to inherit something, they're either going to inherit something that is full of slavery or they're going to inherit something that is full of the kingdom where they can start saying, now that we have a cancer-free zone, what do we do next? Right? This is environmental stuff. People have come in the doors of this room, us not lay a hand on them and leave healed. How? Because we've made our obsession him being here. I said this back there, and I don't even remember if I said this in worship, but I went to get batteries for this mic this morning. And on my way to Publix, because it's the only place open around here at 7 a.m., on my way to Publix, the Lord said to me, do you think heaven is waiting for you to get there, here, or do you think heaven is waiting for you to bring it where you are? I mean, just, just, just for a moment, let me, let me just, like, poke, poke with your brain. Do we think heaven is saying, man, I, I cannot wait for them to get here? That's how we've done church. I'm getting out of this bad boy. Let it decay. Is that not right? And we call, and we call it the rapture and create an entire theology about we're escaping this thing so we don't need to do anything. Last time I checked, Revelation said, Behold, I saw a refreshed heaven and earth ascending from the heavenly realm. That word new is not brand new. That word new is restored to original quality. When you were saved, you become a new creation. You're not somebody brand new. You're restored to your original quality. He did not want a bunch of new creation people walking around. He wanted a bunch of people before the fall walking around. He knew you before he knit you together in your mother's womb. You know where the garden is because you walked with him in the garden before you ever took a breath here. So you being birthed into this dimension was so that you could be a progenitor from the place that you came from becoming this place. Is there, are y'all with me? Okay, because I'm, I'm going whether or not y'all are. So. Chris, Val, Chris Valentin, uh from Bethel Church. Uh, I feel like I quote Bethel all the time because they're doing it. They're doing, they see people healed every day. So you can, you can read whatever you want on Google, but they're seeing people healed. So uh, Chris Valentin. They did a study. He did a book. I forget what the book was called. They did a study of every, and they're a megachurch, by the way, of every city in America where a church of over, I believe, 10,000 people were. And what they found in this study was that in every one of those cities, from the time the church started to present date, every single socioeconomic status of those cities declined dramatically. Homelessness increased, joblessness increased, wages decreased, divorce increased, abortions increased. Every single statistic went the other way. How is it possible when the church is exploding? And yet Jesus had the craziness when 20, 30, possibly up to 50,000 people were standing right in front of him after he had just fed them with bread and fish, they're standing in front of him saying, that was awesome. Could you feed us again? He could have stopped and said, you know what? 
there's hungry people in this region, campus right here. You know what he said? Hey, I'm glad y'all are back. Let me teach you about the kingdom. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, or you'll never be a part of this. A hundred percent of them left. And he turns to the twelve and he says, y'all going to leave too? This is in your Bible. This isn't me talking about any. This is in your Bible. That's how Jesus did ministry. He was the only one that got up out of a grave. I'll follow that example all day long. There was 120 in a 120 in an upper room, probably this room doubled. In, a, in an upper room, sitting around for 10 days, not knowing anything except one command, don't you leave until I send you something. Okay, they, he didn't even tell him 10 days. He just said, you're going to go, don't go do ministry, don't go spread the gospel, don't go get people to repeat a prayer. I want you to go sit in a room. And I want you to stay there until I send you something. In 10 days, they sit there and they don't move. And then inherit the blueprint for changing the, the gospel spread from that moment to the entire known world by the time you get to the end of your Bible. How? Without internet? Without Instagram, without billboards, without coffee? I mean, they might have had coffee back then, I don't know. Without any... Because they were all glowing so much that when they walked past people, their shadow was healing people. Yeah, they found a blueprint, and it was as long as we can be so close that he's actually in us, then all we have to do is enjoy the new reality for the world to be transformed. How did Paul come onto the scene? He was killing Christians, and Jesus Christ himself shows up, transforms Paul's life, and he goes from killing Christians to writing most of the book that we have in the New Testament. How? Not because somebody showed up and said, repeat after me, because Jesus Christ was being hosted at such a level in that region that he showed up to Paul himself and gave him the command. I could, I could preach messages all day long to get you pumped up, or I could host him on a daily basis to the point that when you show up in this room, I don't have to say one word and you're transformed. I do not want to be a minister that is God's, as Damon, Damon Thompson was, God's man of power for the hour. I don't want to be that. You can have it. I don't want it. I want to be a father that is cultivating sons and daughters in an environment where they feel the freedom to actually go out and do the work of the ministry. I, it, it's 11.50, I haven't even gotten to the Bible yet. So, y'all, are y'all with, this is what happens when we have two weeks off. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. <clears throat> this is just blowing up on the inside of me. Ephesians 2, his, this is Passion Translation. His fullness fills you. I mean, I could stop right there. His fullness fills you. Every single part of God's nature is what is on the inside of you. A hundred percent of it. Let me say, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
Right, all right, just think for a second. So us praying for people or us seeing the sick healed, the dead raised, all the cultural tra- culture, culture transformed, all that stuff, is not a power issue. The power that got Jesus up out of the grave is living in you. So it's not a power issue, and it's not a will issue. I don't care what people say. It's not the will of God that our world die and decay and people be sick. That's, it, the Bible says the will of God is that all men be saved. Sozoed. All men not perished. For God so loved the cosmos, the, the created universe. That's the word. It's not people. It's for God so loved the Greek cosmos that he gave his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life he did not send his son into the cosmos to condemn the cosmos but that through him the cosmos might be saved that's that's what the greek says people are a part of it but he came for his creation which included you he, he is not waiting for the world to decay. He's waiting for sons and daughters to be manifest to bring the fruition of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His fullness fills you even though you were once like dead corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the, listen to how he says it, that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his, with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Listen, listen to this verse right here. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. How did sin come into the picture? We made things about us. How did Adam and Eve ever get the idea that they needed to go take a bite of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? When they transitioned from walking in the cool of the day to, why can't I be like God? Sin entered the world through self being placed over God. Anything that worships self, you can just call sin. Your Adam nature is worship of self. And remember, what, is, what does it mean for something to be God? It means they are calling the shots. even by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. There's that word, saved. He raised us up, listen, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him 
into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we are now, not when you get to heaven, for we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, you, you want to know what the, vision, the mission of the church is? Here you go, right here. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn the salvation, for it was the gracious gift of God that flows, or excuse me, that was brought to us in Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. The Lord stopped me there this week, and he said, Your salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving, but what about other people you lead to salvation? Can I lead people to salvation through my good works and my striving? Or can I only lead people to the salvation that I found not by striving, by knowing who I am and who he is, by being the visible image of one that has been transformed by that very grace and kindness? Are, are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? How, how do we evangelize the city of Columbia? Is it striving and programs, or is it being the visible display of his infinite grace and kindness? Bye, Julia. <laughs> I'm just it's okay. Uh, see, they were losing people. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. How, how, how do we transform the, our families? How do we transform the people we've been praying over? Is it by striving, or is it by being the visible display of the inward reality that has transformed you? I don't, I don't, we don't, I don't pray over people for healing, for example, because I can scream, and I can sweat, and I can beg. And that's what we've done growing up for years. If we sweat enough, somebody get healed. That's what, that's what we believe. We prayed fire and screamed till we had no voices. And people got healed. I've never screamed. And the only time I sweat is when somebody messes with that thermostat. But I've never screamed. I've never sweat. And people walk in the room and get healed without me saying a word. I'll take number two every day. You know, how, how, how do we evangelize the city? How do we transform this? And when I say evangelize, I mean sozo the city. I don't mean repeat it. I, I mean sozo the city. I mean the city has no more sickness. The city has no more disease. The city has no more need for all the rainbow stickers all over the buildings because everybody's living in covenant that God designed. That's what I'm talking I'm talking about sozo. I'm not talking about save like repeated a prayer. I'm talking about what do we need to do to get the people to become a part of the kingdom of heaven that's actually currently invading Colombia. I, I, I'm honestly sick over how many times I've used the word about to when prophesying. Personally, God's about to this. 
He's about to this. He's about to this. I'm done with that. The Lord convicted me over that three or four days ago. Let me tell you what's happening currently right now is the kingdom of heaven is moving in. There are trucks loaded up with houses and jobs and government and music and arts and teaching and poetry lined up with a destination set on the GPS, Columbia, South Carolina. And the only thing they're waiting for is a group of people to say, we'll have you right here. You can make that as cheesy as you want because it sounds cheesy. But I'm telling you right now, if we, if we could just have eyes to see and ears to hear, 2020 is very significant. If you trace 2020 back to B.C. time, so 2020 B.C., this would be almost the exact time that Jacob stole Esau's blessing. 2020 B.C. was right when Jacob stole Esau's blessing. Who is Jacob? the man that later got renamed Israel, that took the promise that was made to Abraham and an entire nation came from this man who was a crook. That God stepped in, changed his story, changed his name, and made him not somebody who steals and who's a crook, who made him the father of a nation where Jesus would enter into the picture and save the globe. We in America have been given a complete, free, and no-strings-attached country to worship God. And what have we done? Nothing. But here's what he's saying. I'm not going to throw you away. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you, the crook, who took freedom, who took slavery, who took all the, and stole it from my plan for America. I'm going to change your name. And instead, I'm going to make you the one that inherits every promise over this country. See, it's really easy for us to go prophetically into the future. But if he works on eternal time, I'm trying to go prophetically in the past and pick up things that people left. <laughs> right? My 10th great-grandpa was a Quaker minister that came from England across the ocean to settle in America so that his 10th great-grandkids could live in a country that they could worship the God that he knew without persecution from England. That's my legacy. So you know what I'm doing right now? I'm in the process of tracing my family line back 10 generations and saying they missed this, they missed this, they missed this, but I'm going to pick it up. Some of y'all have family members that died before they ever did anything for the kingdom. But they had a plan for their lives to do something massive for the kingdom. We could either say, man, that's too bad, or we could go back and pick up their destiny and carry it on as their legacy. This, this is what I'm talking about in the kingdom. The visible display of his infinite grace and kindness that was showered on you in Jesus. I, I, I would say I'm almost done. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Cracker Barrel still serves lunch at 1. Um, I'm almost done. <coughs> we have become his poetry. A recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us 
For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one, even before we were born. God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Before you took a breath, he knew everything about you. Why do we not trust the one who knew us before we ever came onto the scene to take control? We think we're in control of stuff. We ain't. We're just standing in the way. And I feel the grace to say this right now. If you'll just, if you'll just let go of control and let him do what he does, you'll find yourself in a place that you have been striving to get to for years. That's the, you know what extortion is? Taking by force something. So many Christians in America have, have tried to extort the word of God and the promises of God. And it don't work like that. You cannot take by force the things in the kingdom. But you can be still and know. That, that was real good. None of y'all, that's okay. All right, where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? Do you, let, me, let me just read this to you real quick. I'm going to wrap up with this. Peter preaches a message in Acts 3, one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. Do you know what he says? Let me, let me just read this starting in verse 19. He says, and now, Peter says this, okay? Josh, where do you get all this, this talk about new heaven, new earth, Jesus coming back, you know, rapture stuff? Where do you get all this? Here we go. And now... You must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed, so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. That word times of refreshing refers to a cooling breeze. This is the only place in the entire New Testament that this phrase shows up, and it refers to the garden. Repent and turn back to God so your sins will be removed. What does repent mean? Change how you think. Okay, so now you must change how you've always thought, which will produce you turning back to God, which will produce your sins being removed, so that times of refreshing or a cooling breeze will stream from the Lord's presence. And he will send you Jesus, the Messiah, the chosen one for you, You ready for this? Here we go. For he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place. He must remain in heaven until the until when? Until the world gets bad? Until the restoration of all things. Things. Another way this could be translated, until the time for universal restoration. Fulfilling everything that God said long ago through his holy prophets. I got so much. I'll finish it up maybe Tuesday night or next Sunday one. I think I want to end with this. I think I want to end with this. There's a uh, a testimony, and I was watching Carolina Revival, 
uh, Friday night. Uh, I, forget what, I forget what night. And he, he, he kind of sideways mentioned Bill Johnson's testimony. So I went back and watched it because I've heard a little bit. This is the lead pastor. But I've heard a little bit of this. I went back and watched this. And um, he told a story. So back when he was a pastor at a small church, kind of like this, in Weaverville, um, California, they were experiencing God do awesome stuff, and he went to Toronto, who was experiencing this just crazy outpouring of the Spirit, the Toronto Revival. Some of you might have heard. Um, and so he said, I'm going to go to Toronto, and I'm going to pick up all I can of that because they are seeing God move in a big way. He goes, and he talks about how he's never, he, he didn't really have any of these crazy, he didn't fall out on the floor, didn't have any of these crazy encounters, but he left refreshed and excited. And when he got back, he felt like the spirit of revival followed him. Like they, their church went into this, this kind of season of revival. And he said they lost it. And he said, in looking back, the reason we lost it is we made revival a part of what we were doing rather than submitting everything we were doing to that move of the spirit. They just made it a piece of the puzzle rather than the entire picture. And lost it. And he told the Lord, he said, if you'll ever move like that again, I'll never submit it to anything else. I'll give my life to it. So a few years later, they get a call. His dad actually was the pastor of Bethel before him. Um, and this church was kind of a, a subsidy or whatever of Bethel Church. But anyway, he gets a call from Bethel. At this point, I think they have 3,000 or so people. He gets a call and they say, we want you to come be the pastor here. And he tells them, I have one requirement. Everything will be about revival. I'm a man of revival, and if you're okay with that, I'll come. But every single thing we do has to point to revival, which is reviving. The word revival means bringing something back to life, revived. You can't legally say you've been in revival unless, unless things that have been dead are living. So... He goes to the church, and he starts teaching things a lot like some of the stuff I've been to, just these, these deep biblical kingdom principles. And immediately, 60% of the church leave. Think about this. I'm not talking about 10 people. I'm talking about 60% of a 3,000 member. That's 1,200 people. Think 1,700 people. 1,700 people. 1,700 people leave. And you know what they don't do? They don't say, well, I guess we should probably change some things. They say, awesome, at least we got a few, a few I guess, uh, 1,300 left. We got 1,300 people left. They're ready for this. And he says, there was a night when I preached, and I prayed, Lord, would you show up like you did? And he was standing at the front of the stage, and they give an altar call. And he starts praying, and no one in the room is moved whatsoever except one woman. And she gets touched by the Lord. God completely transforms her life. And he tells us, he said he looked at his wife and said, it's back, and we're never losing it. And now they're seeing people healed multiple times a day. Why, why do I share that with you? Because this is the first Sunday of 2020. 
And a lot of us have made these these resolutions. We're going to get back in church. We're going to start giving again. And we receive giving. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to start doing this. And it's all because of a checklist. Mind. God will be pleased with me if I just get back in church. I'll, I'll, I'll feel happier if I just get back in church. And I'm, I'm trying to get us to the place where all of us, this can't just be, I'm not this church. We are this church. It's not me. I might have started it, and I might be the one that preaches and plays piano because we don't have anybody else that plays piano. But the church is not me. I'm just the one that's fueling this thing with gasoline so that we can be the church. So that we, I will encounter this if I'm here or if I'm at home. Has nothing to do with being in this room except for you've started agreeing and you've started agreeing and you started agreeing and you've started to, and all of us are starting to catch this unity that comes by way of us saying, move any way you want and I'll submit my life to it. And when we do that, it opens up the floodgates for him to pour out a blessing that we don't even have room to contain. You want joy? Let go of control and let him throw open the floodgates of joy. And you'll be so happy you won't know what to do with yourself. I'm going to end with, uh, man. I saw, you know, I saw a study recently. See, a lot, of, a lot of pastors are afraid of talking about, you know, science and history and all that stuff because they think, you know, man, I'm going to be proved wrong. No, 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 no. All this stuff proves I'm right. So I'm good. So I saw a study recently. A science, this wasn't a Christian organization that did this. Uh, they were take. They took posi- a group of positive people, generally positive people, and a group of generally negative people. Again, had nothing to do with Christians. There might have been some Christians in there. I don't know. But, and they did a study over the course of time. Did you know, people who are negative were twice as likely to catch a common cold as people who were positive. Your body responds to the kingdom. You understand this? There are also studies that prove that, do man, do I go here? Yeah, sure. Uh, there are studies that prove there's a lot of terminally ill sicknesses that actually stem from a circumstance in your past that has caused anxiety and depression and worry that your body has processed that and manifests sicknesses. That's not me. That's science proven. You understand this? The joy of the Lord is our strength. When you start seeing things through the eyes of... Do you think Jesus ever dealt with a cold? No. Yet he was a man completely susceptible to the same things. What was the difference? Maybe the difference was he was completely convinced in Abba. Maybe he was convinced that I actually am the son of Abba, and if I'm the son of Abba, all this inferior thing, all these inferior things of the world are not things I'm fighting. They're actually things I came to establish victory over. That's what Sozo is. You were saved and healed. You weren't just repeating a prayer so that you could be in heaven one day. You were saved so that you could host heaven here now. Heaven's going to be great one day. Heaven is going to be awesome one day. I think it's going to look a lot like tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. at my house. People will not like that, right? Heaven's going to be great. I can't wait to dance on the streets of gold tomorrow morning when I wake up. I, don't, I'm not, I will not wait. 
I refuse to wait. You should refuse to wait too. He's waiting for you to refuse to wait. Are, are, are y'all understand this? Are y'all with me? That this 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 is the gospel. I could talk to you all day long about how to be happy. I promise you today, there's a million sermon series going on on how to be happy in 2020. I'll tell you how to be happy. Devotion. Know the one that only in his nature you can find kindness and goodness and love and grace and hope and mercy. And stop dreaming dreams that you can attain on your own. Stop selling out short because you don't trust that he can take you the rest of the way. The Lord told me that, you want me to just be straight up with y'all? The Lord told me this morning that the reason I've been worried about money in this church, because we haven't been struck, we've been great. We've had excess every single month. But the reason that I have struggled with this is because he's allowed some things to rise to the top. I've been dreaming in terms of what we currently have. He's been dreaming in terms of 10 times what we currently have. And if he would release what he actually wants to release to us, and I'm still worrying about what little we got now, there's no way we can handle what he wants to release. So instead, he's dealing with me now so that I can get to the place of trust in a new wineskin form that he can take new wine and just dump it. That's what he's doing in me. That's what he's done in me. It's finished. I went into 2020 saying, I will not deal with this ever again. If we have to close the doors, I don't care. We'll, I'll never deal with it again. And I haven't. You know, in that, in that week that I was struggling with that, the symptoms that I used to have with that thing God healed me of in my gallbladder started coming back. Let me just be real. I started having issues like nobody's business that week. And I was, Lord, what is going on with me? Until I let him deal with my mindset. And then you know what went with it? All the symptoms. I mean, you, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm telling you what the Lord wants to do in us. When, when he went up to people, the man covered with leprosy. No one would touch him because they were afraid that they would catch his leprosy. You know what Jesus did? He walked up and hugged him. And his hug healed him. Why? Because in that moment, that man realized that the God of the universe is not a God who wants to stay at a distance because I'm nasty. He'll actually embrace me in my nastiness, which will cause me to repent and change how I think, which will then cause times of refreshing to flow from the presence of God. Sickness is not allowed in the Garden of, the, in the Garden of Eden. If you find yourself in Eden, you'll find yourself healed. It's a lot more effective to search out Eden than it is to search out a healing. So, so I, pray for, I have interceded for more sick people over the past week than probably all of last year. Because I feel like I'm fine in the garden. Our, our cars are, are going to crud right now. They're just old. They're paid off. We, we turned on the car yesterday, and I hear the engine start clicking. And my first reaction was, you got to be kidding me right now. My second reaction was, Lord, i just going to need you to take care of this. I ain't got the money for this. I go take the trash out, walk back over, car's not clicking anymore. You can say that's coincidence, or you can say Eden. So y'all go ahead and stand. I didn't get anywhere close to where I wanted to go, but that's okay.
I'm going to end with prayer, then we'll do giving, then we'll go. Um, Lord, my wife is going to be so happy. She's in there with all those kids. Um, hopefully they're being good today. Um, did you know the temple, in the Old Testament, the temple was the intersection between heaven and earth? The whole, so the, the temple contained the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, and only certain people could enter into that after a purification process. You with me? Okay, that's just, I mean, that is a super quick Old Testament, like, in a nutshell, temple. The, the, the temple was the intersection between heaven and earth. If you read on in Ephesians, which we'll do this next week, if you read on in Ephesians 2, it talks about how we have become the holy of holies. We have become the temple. In other words, Jesus, when he died, tore the veil that led into the holy of holies. You're going to have to make the decision to walk into the place that the veil has been torn in front of. You are the intersection between heaven and earth for the globe. You understand this? But the priests would walk into the Holy of Holies and experience the presence of God that they had to wear bells on them so that if they went in there with any hidden motive, they would die in the presence of God. People would hear the bells and know they died so that they could drag them out of the presence. That was the temple. That presence is in you. The weighty presence of God, except it's not after killing sinful people. Now it's after killing sin. Okay, so when you are living your life and going about your day and encountering people, I want us to start inviting everybody to church because I know none of us do that. I mean, I, I do, but, but you know what I mean? We don't do that. I'm not saying we shouldn't invite people to church. I'm just saying I want you to save them before you get them here. That's, you, you don't understand what I'm saying? You are the intersection between heaven and earth. When people encounter you, they are literally encountering an interdimensional reality. Your home is heaven, and yet you are manifesting a reality here on earth. Both. So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to pray that God would start stirring. some. I've been having dreams like nobody's business. I had a dream. The Lord reminded me of a promise he gave me when I was in high school on, a, on um, December 31st night, I'm going to pray. December 31st night, I go to bed, and the, right before I go to bed, the Lord says, I'm going to give you a dream that proves to you everything I've ever told you. And I said, yes, sir. I lay in the bed, and as I lay there, this is in Myrtle Beach, we're at Jordan's mom's house. I lay there, and we literally feel an earthquake. I mean, so much so that Jordan is asleep. She jumps up, terrified. Say, what is that? I mean, it was like a, the whole ground was just grinding for about five seconds. And it wasn't like, I mean, it was like enough to, sh like, it woke Jordan up. Nobody else felt it. And so I go to sleep, and the Lord promised me things when I was in high school. He promised me that through me, he would transform thousands of people. He walked into my room. He, some of you heard this story. He laid his hand on my back. I'm 15 years old. Laid his hand on my back. Angels around the room. 
laid his hand on my back, and he said, through you, I'm going to reach thousands and thousands and thousands. And, th- and for five minutes straight, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. And the encounter was over. And growing up, I thought that meant I was going to have a mega ministry. So uh, my whole life, December 31st night, I have a dream, and I'm sitting in the church I grew up in. And it's packed front to back. And people are rejecting everything that I'm saying because I'm giving them some of the stuff I gave you today. I, mean, I just, I just, I can see everybody just leaving, 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 leaving. And in the dream, it transitions, and I see a room filled. I can't explain it. It's filled all over, top, bottom, around, below, behind, in front of, with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. This time, I'm not saying a word, and this time, every single one of them are being rocked by the presence of God. And I woke up that next morning, and he said, you thought I was going to change thousands of people because of what you could provide the world. Instead, I'm going to change thousands of people because you're going to look like the face the world wants. That's not just a promise for me. That's a promise for us. God doesn't forget about what he said. He does not forget about what he said. If you have lost hope over something that the Lord has spoke over you because of time, let me rem- he does not forget. In fact, the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it. That's what the Bible, he watches over his own word to make sure it comes. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. If he spoke it, it's done. It might take 10 or 15 years because our wineskins aren't ready to receive it, but if he spoke it, it is done. And it's not because his timing, it's not because he's angry, it's not because he's mad, and it's not because he's sovereign and he just wants you to suffer for a little bit. It's because we are living in such a state that if we could be baptized in the anointing that would make us new, he would lovingly release everything he wants to release. It's not an issue of him, it's an issue of us submitting. And I say that with complete freedom. Because you're not waiting on something that God's just going to randomly wake up one day and say, you know what, I want to do this. The only thing he's waiting for you is to become new. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information, visit dreamcolumbia.com.